0: panel, RNZ National, David Slack and Cass Carter today. In nine days out, local election vote turnout across New Zealand is tracking at a record low. In some places, just half of what it was at the same time in previous elections. Meanwhile, local government minister, Nanaia Mahuta, says she hasn't even received her papers yet, and there was an awkward moment at today's press conference when local government NZ's. Susan Freeman-Green admitted to reporters she hadn't got hers either.
1: So you haven't got your voting papers either?
2: But that's my fault. <laughs> I, um, I didn't change my address when I moved house six months ago.
0: But she says people can still cast special votes. Election data showed... 8.8% of Auckland had voted by yesterday. Topor is home of the least engaged voters of all, just 3.9%. Same time uh, at the last election, it was 147 So with us uh, is Dr Julia Molyneux, a political scientist at AUT. Dr Molyneux, kia ora. Kia ora,
2: Wallace, and panel and
0: listeners. Yes, still a week and a half to go. Nonetheless, tracking low. What could be the reason?
2: Well, it's actually less than a week to go if people want to post their ballots back because the recommendation is to get them in the post by Tuesday next week to guarantee they arrive on time. After that, people can take a chance with the post, but they're better off to deliver them directly to a council service centre or a ballot box in the community. As for why it's tracking low, we don't know. It does seem to be off to a slow start, but there was a flurry of activity after the long weekend and once some of those community ballot boxes were emptied. Personally, I'm not at the wailing and smashing of teeth stage of concern about turnout. Okay. There's been a lot of media coverage this week, worrying about it, and I hope that coverage prompts people to get on with it. We are past the halfway point. Time is ticking away.
0: Is there a sense that local election envelopes just sit on the table and get forgotten about?
2: Anecdotally, yes, that is true. And we also do need some time to do our voting because the ballot's complex. We've got a lot of decisions to make, and sometimes there's not a lot of useful information. So we need to set aside the time and have the right headspace to fill it out. And that might not be as soon as the ballot turns
0: up. Is this trend local, Julianne, or is it the same in other countries, such as Australia?
2: Yeah, so we have what are called lower-order elections, so beneath the parliamentary or presidential level, and... Um, Around the world, you tend to see a lower turnout for those than those higher-order elections. So New Zealand's not unusual.
0: Okay. Well, our panellists are sure to have uh, opinions, views and questions on this. Cass, what about you? Have you um, received your papers? Have you filled them in yet?
3: I've received them, and I've been pushing it around, this decision around, like, vegetables on a plate. (laughs) Actually, it freaked me out, all the coverage, particularly today, and I thought, I really have to get onto this. But the thing is... A letter. Like, we've got them sitting there at the moment that for my husband, myself, and my son. And he looks at this letter like it's an alien. Like, that, like surely, I, I just don't understand why we're not doing this digitally. People want things simply. And I'm sure if we had it digitally, we'd be able to just click on a box like we do with so many other things. Um, it just feels so last century in terms of actually how, how you vote. So I don't know... Um, Julia, is there a reason why we've still got this this old-fashioned way of voting? Is is there an issue around it? Is it a security thing?
2: Yeah, so quite a complex area. So people recognise that the postal system is not as convenient as it used to be and that there's a lot of people who just don't check their post boxes anymore because they do everything online, all their pay, all their bills, do all their social communications online. And as you say, young people just don't understand necessarily how the postal system works, unless it's a a courier. Um, The problem with e-voting, though, is that also creates other problems. So I think we're stuck with postal voting until we come up with something better. And online voting creates problems in itself. There is no guarantee around the security of the ballot and the scale of a security breach could be very large and we may also not know it's happened. And so that could undermine trust in the results of our elections. Ah. And we've kind of seen the toxic um, language that can be used once people can hook onto trust and start to say, ah, but that wasn't a result we can believe in. We've seen that in the US. How that can really undermine trust in our in our institutions. So unless we can do something about the security, I don't think we're going to move in that direction.
0: Interesting, because it's just come out, in fact, uh, so the front page of the RNZ right now, the two front runners in Auckland's mayoral campaign are calling for an end to postal voting and the investigation of an online voting option by... 2025, but then you've just raised the issue of the US where it has been extremely fraught and that really has raised significant issues, Julian, about what you call that idea of trust. Imagine the on, the, the furor if someone questioned the online tr- system.
2: Yeah, so the problem people raise with postal voting tends not to be around trust, it's around the lack of convenience. Um, and the fact that it's not really fit for purpose in, our, in the way a lot of us lead our modern lives. But we don't tend to get trust questions, so, so online voting would, would introduce that as a problem. Well, no. It would seem to
3: me that's almost undemocratic. I just think we're just missing out on a whole generation of people who just won't do not do it. I mean, I, I think under 30-year-olds probably don't know how to seal an envelope. You know, I just, it's...
0: That's it, it's, a very big call, David. So Cass Carter calls the current system undemocratic. Democratic. Oh, I, I, I do see do the argument. Do you agree?
1: No, I do see the argument, but I disagree. it you know, because I, I, agree with Julian uh, that the, the the trust issue, if you, if you'll pardon the the grievous pun, trumps this. <laughs> um, you know that that really is a a pro, that profoundly um stands to undermine the integrity of the system. Um, that that erosion of trust and that's a terrible place for democracy to go. I think that people under thirty might. Maybe um, find it un- uh, um, you know, uh, unfamiliar and difficult, but I'm not sure that necessarily needs to be to to count as 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 um, uh, a fatal flaw. I, no, what I'm getting at is I want to see some numbers after this election about under thirty turnout, mm-hmm. if we can have them, and 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 see if in fact we do have a problem or not. Bearing in mind too, of course, that there's a kind there's a historic tendency for older people to vote in local body elections to a greater extent anyway. um, Sorry, I've been wittering there because I had a a, a different proposition I wanted to make and that was that I wanted to offer some sort of consolation to people um, that there's a pleasant surprise in your envelope this time around and that is there are no damn DHB candidates to crawl through oh, anymore. Sure, isn't and, great? And, who and, and that great? <laughs> you don't know. Exactly that you don't know. Um, and, and I found that um, quite off-putting in previous elections. It was a very simple, we we voted last weekend and it was a nice simple straightforward exercise because you know, I have a very clear idea about who I want to vote for and so did garen And um, not a whole lot to uh, have to handle at all and, and very swiftly and, and, and easily done. I... Okay.
0: A lot of response yeah. here. Someone says, look, I wouldn't even know where to post a letter. So it speaks to Cass's undemocratic uh, aspect. But Kelsey and Christy says, look, I'm a millennial software engineer. I would not trust online yep. voting. Um just, just finally, uh, Dr. Molyneux, So, where do we go from here? What, 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 what research needs to happen? Because clearly, uh, it, it is unsustainable. I mean, if you have Topol, the least engaged voters of all, just three point nine percent have voted so far. I mean, it's extraordinary when you think about it.
2: It is very low, um, and hopefully that will, will take off in an exponential kind sure. of way over the next few days. So um, I think if we're still sitting at very low levels next week, we, we really should be worried. But hopefully it's just people having been distracted by an unexpected long weekend, a news hole that was full of the Queen's death, and we're oh. we're only now just getting around to turning our attention to this.
0: Okay, very good. That's Dr Julian Molyneux, their political scientist at AUT. Um, uh, what about you? Have oh, you filled what? yours in? Did I film it?
1: Yeah, I was just saying that I... I'd, of course, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But, but uh, one final thought, though, and that is I can't recall local body elections that have been quite so actively um, and extensively covered as this one. Um, well,
0: that's the irony, right? I mean, it feels like the length of the voting period is just actually at this stage seems to be dragging on. And how many debates have there been? Mm. Well, time
1: no, I, I'm not sort of saying it in the way that I'm. I'm complaining. So, but no. I, 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 can't recall one being quite so lively. Now, here I am in Auckland, but it's I'm also con- thing conscious. I can tell you. <laughs> yes. I know. I yeah, well, yes, yeah. but but things like um um, uh, Tory Fana and and Paul Eagle, mm. um, uh, you know, I've, and coverage I've seen about aspects of that campaign have been fascinating to mm. me up here. And I, and, and uh, sorry, Cass.
3: No, I was just going to say, in the, uh, what I've noticed this time, there's been. A huge amount of mural forums. Just every night, they seem to be. Set, well, every day, there seems to be coverage of the forum the night before, and they've and they're all, um, you know, specific industries like the the arts or the the transport or you know uh, architecture. Mm. They go to all these forums. What are you going to do for us? It's, all right. Yeah.
0: So I'd be very interested to hear from you. Do you agree with Cass Carter that postal voting is in essence undemocratic? Two one. Zero one, email the panel at rnz.co.nz 18 past 4 Cass Carter, David Slack with me. And the cost of the living that continues to increase with little in sight for now. So there are calls to cushion the blow, especially for families who are struggling with putting food on the table. And now the Green Party is calling for a universal weekly payment for families with toddlers of $110 a week. The Greens say they want a boost in welfare payment options. And here's the deal. They want it to be universal for people with children under three Right now, you can get the best start payment. That gives you $65 a week for every family earning under $79,000 a year with a child. With us is an economist at the University of Auckland, Susan to St John. Susan, kia ora. ora well, An increase in weekly payments for families with toddlers. Is it needed? Well, um,
4: look, I think we've got to put this in perspective. What the Greens are reflecting is just a complete... Uh, lack of patience with the slow progress of the promised review on working for families. So they've come up with a number of different proposals that they would like to see implemented. And this one about Best Start is only one of a number. It is not necessarily the one that should be prioritised, because as you say, it's already semi-universal if you can get it right up to $79,000
0: So is the best start still for purpose at $65 a week or is this uh, announcement really a a shot across the bow that, hey, come on, it needs to increase?
4: Oh, look, it it does, and that's part of the bigger problem. The thing that the Greens highlight as their number one is joining up the different parts of working for families' tax credits so that low-income families actually get the full package. So let's not lose sight of that, because that is the thing that is going to make the most difference and be the most cost-effective measure that can be done.
0: Yes, yeah, so one are the ideas then, just proposal here, James Shaw does say, look, working for family system is really quite complex. You do get people slipping through the cracks. So um, that idea of universality, why would you make it universal, making it available for those families that don't need it, Wouldn't that just be a waste of financial resource?
4: Yeah, and I guess I'd be concerned about that taking priority because universal payments, as we know, are fiendishly expensive and it is only for children under three. Um, and I think it reflects a bit of nostalgia for what
0: used to happen with the family benefit. Mm-hmm. The family so, benefit. Yeah.
3: Bring back the family benefit. Everyone says that. that. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get well, text Susan
0: Adam for Night about the family benefit.
4: Uh, yes, well, look, I, I got the family benefit for my four children in 1979, and it was $6 per week per child. It was still $6 per week per child in 1991 when it was abolished.
1: Wow. <laughs> That that um, actually neatly segues into a question I wanted to ask you, Susan, uh, uh, because I'm uh, aware that you've done more about this than anybody I can think of. the The relativity of um, uh, benefits slashed in 1991 to you know um, a, a, an altogether um, poorer position. How much improvement, of, if if any, have we seen on that in in recent years? Is, where are we vis-a-vis the, the, the relativity that prevailed until 1991 is what I'm getting at for that yeah, well, sorry
4: y- yes well definitely there has been an improvement one can't question that what we're talking about today is not adult benefits so that if you're thinking about a family it's really important that the adult benefits are adequate for the adult but what we have to recognize the extra costs of children are these tax credits. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that really needs attention. We were promised to review back in 2018, and we're still waiting for the government to actually do something about working for families. It is a mess.
0: It's a mess. Gosh, Cass.
3: Um. Hi Susan, nice to hear from you Hi. Um, I I just uh, agree it is a mess, it needs addressing um, and I, I totally think that it should be around children and children do cost a lot of money, not just in actually bringing them up but actually the childcare if you have to work or whatever is, is hard work but probably just jumping back to what I, when I was talking before about I've been thinking is a long term solution is actually looking at the pay gap um, that we've uh, and Mind the Gap have worked with um, charities, with unions, with all sorts who are all in support of the government doing something about closing the pay gap because that's women. They're earning n- over 9% less than men and they're the ones often bringing up children sometimes on their own and uh, that's a long-term solution if we actually close that pay gap and had women and Māori and Pacifica who would, uh, were having an equal pay to, uh, to Pākehā men, um, that, that there's a long-term solution there that would cost the government absolutely nothing.
4: Well I would like to suggest that again we're talking here about adult payments and couldn't agree with you more about pay equity but that is not going to solve child poverty.
1: And Susan can I ask uh, the point you made a moment ago about the tax credits being a mess, do you see um, a particular solution that you would recommend?
4: Well, first of all, join up the parts of working for Families so all low-income children get the same. That would cost about half a billion dollars, but it would be extremely cost-effective. It must be properly indexed. You've got to link it in the same way that we link New Zealand superannuation. And we must do something about how poorly we treat families in low-paid work. When they earn extra over a very low, unadjusted threshold, they lose 27 cents in each extra dollar that they earn mm. as repayment of working for families. It's absolutely outrageous.
0: God. Nice to have you on the programme. Kia ora, Susan. That's uh, Susan St John there, an economist at uh, the University of Auckland. Uh, the idea that uh, there is a call by the Green Party for a universal weekly payment for families with toddlers of $110. 25 past four. David uh, Slack and Cass Carter with me today. Now Any pet owner who's looked for a place to rent in New Zealand has crossed this bridge. Will this landlord allow pets? It's a deal-breaker for some, as owners, of course, don't want to ditch their furry friend. And Landlords presume if they do live with them, the house will be destroyed. Poos everywhere. The legality surrounding pets was brought up when the Residential Tenancies Amendment Act was being discussed a couple of years back. But when the bill passed, there was no mention of Pets and Rentals. A staff writer for the spin-off recently surveyed Trade Me's rental listings and found that just 14% of flats had ticked the Pets OK uh, option and uh, one Cindy in Piha got in touch with us and let's hear Cindy's uh, point of view. Kia ora Cindy. Kia ora. Now you're a landlord, am I right? You're. That's right. Okay so do you, tell us your story do you allow Pets?
5: Well, yes. I mean, I said to the pro- – I have a property manager, so I said to the property manager, look, if, if prospective tenants have pets, let's have a discussion about it. And um, and the latest lot of tenants have got two chihuahuas and a cat, <laughs> and I'm fine with that.
0: No mess, no carpet. No carpet needs to, needs to be continuously steam cleaned. There's no scratches on the wall. I mean, come on, these are chihuahuas.
5: No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that people can be. I mean, I've got, I've, I've, I've got a dog, and um, sure, there's a few scratches on the floor because I've got wooden floors. But um, I think everyone. I think landlords should be reasonable. I think people. I would be more concerned. Actually, I think the two teenagers in the house would probably be more
4: destructive <laughs> than the pet.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's true. Hey, Cindy. It, it's true, hey. though, isn't it? That um, the. It, we're now in this position where a lot of people can't contemplate ever owning a house and and the the notion that you wouldn't be able to have a pet which is something that so many people enjoy doing just seems wrong doesn't it
5: exactly i mean i think you know people who don't have pets seem quite strange to me (laughs) (laughs) i think i think people you know i think everybody you know if you have two chihuahuas and a cat i mean honestly i've seen I've seen the photographs of the, um, the house from inspections and things and the chihuahuas look really cute actually.
3: Cass. Yeah, I think um, I think there's definitely two sides to this argument, and I what's the I'd, other I'd, side? Then? I, well, I think I mean, have you ever tried to get rid of um the smell of cat pee? It's horrendous, and I think with tenants, they when they're good, they're really good, and most of them probably are, but when they're bad, they're horrid, and that's that's sort of the issue. And people own property, and it's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, and they want to look after it. But you know, to be fair, I. I remember renting a property years ago, and we had a cat, and it was no pets, and we ridiculously tried to hide the cat. Um, and in the <laughs> end, the landlord actually quite loved our cat, knew its ah. name, etc. So I think I agree with you totally, Cindy. It's about it. Um, it's about having that conversation um, and, yeah. and and sort of saying to them, "Can you tell me your plan for how you're going to make sure that these, these pets don't?" You damage can see this place?
0: why it's become a problem, though, uh, Cindy. Can't you? I mean, you are a landlord, but you know. Um, Cat wees can be, in some cases, extraordinarily hard to get rid of. These are people's. But also, often, one asset; it's their people's asset; yeah. it's their livelihoods.
5: But it's also, I mean, who wants to live with cat the smell of cat pee? And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that these tenants who just come from a very long term tenancy, which they had been, they'd um, the house was sold out from underneath the, uh, from under them, and. It, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine, you know, not that many people really want to live in a house smelling of cat pee themselves. Mm, most cats are pretty well behaved.
3: Oh, You yeah. just let, accidentally lock the cat in. I've done it myself, you know, that. and, and next minute you've got the cat pee. I, I've, I have a friend who had to have that, her um, house completely recarpeted with tenants who'd left the cats inside, and it's a massive cost. Um, and even then, when you get it recarpeted, you still feel like you can still smell the smell of it. It's horrendous. So... I
1: don't it's think mine. it's an easy answer. There was, back on a radio station we both used to work on, uh, Wallace, there was this woman who was amazing about stains, Sharon, I forget her name, from Australia. She would have an answer Legend. for this. Yep. There is nothing that can't be taken <laughs> out of a house, no stain. I'll email her. <laughs> yes, yeah, Sharon, know. where are yeah. you? Yes. Oh, very
0: good, Cindy. So, um, so what would you say then to other uh, landlords who are a little bit reticent um, uh, about uh, having pets, because look at look at the stats fourteen percent of flats on trade me uh, have the pets okay often, so from landlord to landlord what would what you say
5: i 'd say just be reasonable you know and and meet the pets if you need to, but um, I think most people are pretty good pet owners in this country, and um, landlords need to take account of that
0: all right, good on you, Cindy, thanks for being with us here uh, on the panel. Yeah. That is uh, Cindy there who is a landlord they' uh, so property managed to open a discussion around pets, and so uh, her current tenants have uh, two chihuahuas and a cat. Feels seems, by all accounts, a happy home. Nice. All right. Uh, lovely to have your company. Thanks very much for your feedback. A big response regarding uh, voting, whether or not you would uh, like online voting. We'll try and get to some of that toward the end of the show. But for now, it's the headlines.